Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Welcome to today's episode of Growth Island. My name is Mass Fries, and I got the pleasure of introducing Martine Quaim today. She is a kick-ass entrepreneur, kite surfer, and expert in positive psychology, and she founded a company, Young Happy Minds. So really excited about learning some new tools from positive psychology. So welcome very much, Martine. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking me. Thank you so much for finding the time. So just to get started, can you tell where you're from and how do you get into positive psychology? Yes. So my name is uh, Martina, as you said, and I'm from Norway, although I lived and worked all over the world. And I came across positive psychology in the Netherlands. That's where I really learned about it for real in Amsterdam. And um, I thought it was really cool that there is a science of happiness. I come from a doctor's family and, and they're all about no bullshit, basically. And when I learned that there was a science of happiness and the, the most popular course at, at Harvard, um, by far in history is positive psychology. I thought, okay, well, this is not bullshit. I want to learn more. And then I rescolored myself and I'm sort of still, still learning. Um, but I'm really, really fascinated by this strand in psychology and want the whole world to know about it. How did you find positive psychology? Okay, let me trace back a little bit to tell you this kind of whole story because it started, I was working in a marketing agency in Oslo and we were all about, you know, viral marketing and, and creating engagement for, for big grants and, and we did really well. And I found myself, you know, spending all this energy every day to sell more things for some brands that the world doesn't really need anymore. And the more I was doing it, I mean, I really loved my job, but I thought that, you know, I have to channelize my energy over to something that, that means something more to the world. And, uh, ironically, I was promoted in the, in the agency and I was asked to be the innovation director and, and get a double salary. And like, it was, a, you know, they really, really, really gave me some great, a great offer. I thought, you know, maybe this is my cue to actually jump off this wagon because I don't need to get, get, um, kind of addicted to this salary and this title and to everyone to know that I was like this and this person. I thought, maybe I'll just jump off now and see what I can do. And that's what I did. I, I jumped off. I went on a, on a kite surf trip for like six months. We literally went with the wind and I did a lot of exploration, uh, in myself. Like I thought it was important for me to, to really go and get bored. <laughs> I thought that there's so much creativity that can happen when you get bored and you find sort of back to who you were as a child and, and you become humble when you're out in nature, when, when you don't really know that many people or you don't have that, as I said, salary or title or whatever. You just sort of happen to be here on this planet. And it became clearer and clearer to me that I wanted to do something that would inspire people to make active, conscious choices that would feel positive to them and the planet and that was like a vague sentence that i had inside of me and i did all this uh, experimentation like i did the hundred uh, hours of meditation in india and like this and that <laughs> a lot of weird stuff and uh all, all good stuff though nothing nothing bad for health or anything but um but I, <laughs> the thing where you're not allowed so, to talk yeah, for yeah, exactly. seven days 
Exactly. <laughs> Silent meditation. So the more I did, the more I uh, kind of traveled inside, the more I understood about myself that this is what I really wanted to do. But I was afraid of choosing a strand that would help people to make active choices that was sort of not steeped in science. Again, because I'm, I come from this doctor's lineage, it was important for me to get something that I could really stand behind sort of proudly. And then I, I started a school in Amsterdam called Think School of Creative Leadership, which is all about like design thinking and innovation and leadership. And you learn to move fast, like lean startup way. But at the same time, you learn to go really slow. You learn to step one step back and, and, you know, try to understand if you're aligned with your passion and purpose. And that's when it all crystallized for me. And I was like, okay, so. I also at the school, I learned about positive psychology. There was a professor that I did a, like a guest lecture and I was like, this is what I want to do. And then I completely rescolored myself from this marketing world and started Young Happy Minds. Cool. And so what is positive psychology? Okay. So a fascinating thing about positive psychology, first of all, it's about focusing on what goes well instead of trying to fix what goes wrong. And a fascinating thing about the history of positive psychology is that the president of the American Psychology Association, about 20 years ago, he saw that there was like 21 research papers on trying to fix what goes wrong and about one research paper on building on what goes well, like basically researching the, the most flourishing people on the planet. And he thought, well, this doesn't reflect reality. It's not 21 depressed people in, in a room and one that does well. Plus, everyone can learn from the one that is flourishing. But not everyone needs to learn how to not have schizophrenia or not have depression or anorexia or whatever. Since happiness is kind of the one single goal that we share with the whole wide world, why are we not actually studying it? We're just philosophizing about it. We're just talking about it around every single you know, bonfire since the beginning of history, but we don't really know how much the science of it. And then millions of, of dollars were put into research, sort of was kind of born from that modern positive psychology 20 years back. Cool. And what are some of the lessons from positive psychology? And also you said that you came from a, a family of doctors, so there needs to be yeah. some science behind it. And that's one of the interesting things about positive psychology, that there is yeah. real science behind it. I think that's interesting. And I mean, you always have to take science also with a pinch of salt, but at least mm. it, it kind of becomes a little bit more proof to it than, than just talks around the bonfire. and. Uh, and what I also find fascinating about positive psychology is that a lot of the, the techniques or a lot, everything that you learn, it's kind of common sense, but the difference is that it's not common action. And what they learned after this, these 20 years of researching, they learned that there is this PERMA model. So basically, if you flourish on all the aspects of the PERMA model, then you're like, you're doing really well. And PERMA stands for, P stands for positive emotions. And you can learn how you can cultivate positive emotions and what that actually means to you because it's not just to feel great, but it also sort of turns on the learning centers in your brain. And the E in the PERMA model stands for engagement. So it tells you or it helps you to, to understand when are you in flow? When are you really engaged and how can you do more of that? And to be engaged or to be in flow in a situation can often be when, when time just flies by so you're you're not really in a way knowing what you experience you just do it like if you've done something for two hours but it feels like 10 minutes 
that's when you're like really, really into flow. And then it's the R in the PERMA model stands for relationships. And that's the really important part of how you can flourish. If you learn how to cultivate your, your relationships and strengthen them and, uh, and rather have some you know good quality relations rather than the thousand Instagram followers that might not really be your close friends. And the M in PERMA, I find also interesting. That's meaning. And meaning, um, a definition of meaning is adding to something greater than yourself. So to have a sense of purpose. And that's for some people kind of like the opposite of how we've traditionally thought about happiness because happiness is like some people think about happiness as this hedonistic thing that you're chasing, but meaning <laughs> it's really about giving to something that's bigger than yourself. And it could be hard to be contributing to others like you if you work in orphanage or whatever you do. But it gives you still a lot of pleasure because you're doing something greater than yourself. And then the last part of PERMA is accomplishment. So that's about, you know, of course, it gives a lot of pleasure um, or happiness and fulfillment to accomplish something, but also to learn how to deal with failure, to see that failure is part of part of learning and that you could uh, learn how to be content with the road towards your goal, basically. And then finally, PERMA kind of stands well on its own because they argue that you can be happy even if you're like paralyzed from the neck and down, but most of us aren't. So I, I like to add V, PERMA plus V, and V stands for vitality. So basically sleep, nutrition, and exercise. And, and the good thing about having this all in a model is that you can then use it as a dial for yourself. Like, okay, I need to know, I need to do more that. It gives me meaning or I know that I haven't done much that puts me in flow this week. So I need to do more that engages me or whatever. What are some uh, easy steps that you can do with positive psychology? What are some of the techniques that you can you can do to actually utilize some of the research that's been done? It's a super simple technique that a lot of people have heard about, but most people haven't really used it. It's a, it's a gratitude diary. And that's a way to, first of all, to make, make you cultivate more positive emotions, but also it can help you to really reframe life as you see it. And a gratitude diary is about writing down three good things that happened that day, three things that you're grateful for, and to really try to think about why you're grateful for them and write that down as well. And my boyfriend and uh, my two bonus kids, we are doing this every night. And it's become this sort of addictive habit for all of us. And you're not supposed to say like, oh, I'm happy for, I'm grateful for that I'm alive or, you know, like those sort of things that you could say every day, but really try to hunt for the special moments throughout the day. And it's a great thing to do it also together because then you will notice other things that you might not have noticed and you will see what your, the people that you care about are grateful for. And that will sort of make you also grateful. Highly That's recommended if you haven't tried it. Have you tried it, Mats? So I've actually been doing it since 2014, I think. Oh, wow. So and how does that make you feel? It's amazing. So I write down three things every night before I go to bed. I have it in, yeah. on my iPhone in notes. Yeah. And then at the end of each year, I look through all of my notes to see what are the common things that go through that I'm often <laughs> grateful for. So that made me realize there were some special people in my life that I might not talk to that often but that I'm very grateful for whenever I talk to them. And <laughs> also a way to identify that I'm really happy when I'm doing movement. Yeah. I'm social with other people. 
But something that surprised me was how happy I was whenever I had time to concentrate and work on a task for like four or five hours, whether it was mm-hmm. research or something else, but getting the time to just focus on one task. Mm. That was not surprising. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, it's, 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 really it's quite interesting because a lot of the things that you mentioned, well, all of them can be put very sort of clearly into the PERMA model. Mm. So even if happiness is something individual, you can kind of cluster them all under the PERMA model. And, uh, and as you said, you know, like people that you care about, uh, so special people that you like being around, that's definitely under relationships. And then you said to do movements, that's probably when you're engaged in an activity. So engagement and then to be immersed in, you know, focused on something that could be two things because definitely under engagement, but also one of the ways that we can cultivate positive emotions is also to practice mindfulness mm. and, uh, and you can't really do two things, two sort of proper things, um, like big things you, at the same time with, with concentration. You can obviously chew gum and take the elevator. <laughs> you know, like you could do some things, but you can't do, ha- have a full focus on two things at the same time. Although people think that they can do a lot of things at the same time. So that you're fully focused. That's sort of a way to both feel, um, some sort of mindfulness and also be engaged. It also gets into the flow state. Exactly. Everything yeah. disappears just focusing on one task. So mm. I often have work where I have to do a lot of things and especially like the last couple of years where I constantly had to switch. So when I had those time, I could see it like it, it gave me a lot of, gave me a lot of joy. Yeah. The really good thing about the exercise as well is that it doesn't have to be big things. It's really about whatever you can be grateful for. So whether it's a smile from a stranger mm. or that you actually smile to someone perhaps uplifted that person that you start yeah. to rewire the brain so we actually see more of the positive things and i think that's interesting from the research perspective as well that we know that writing this gratitude journal rewires our brain exactly we're used to the news where we get so many negative news that are not mm. representative of the world so we start to see the world more negative than it actually is where where this exercise is yeah it's amazing it's such a little simple thing it do is you write it, and do you write it down every day or a few times a day yeah, I, I don't write it down every day. We have like the little jar where we put it in at the end of the week. Yeah. But I know it has a better effect if you write it down. I just don't manage that. But it, it's interesting that, um, cause I've done this exercise also with, you know, like usually we would work preventatively. So with like people that are kind of fine from before, but, uh, but we've also done uh, lots of work with, uh, young refugees and prisoners, et cetera. And we did this exercise with like really hardcore prisoners in Norway. So basically the most criminal people we have in Norway. And I asked them like, what are you grateful for today? And they said, um, you know, when I'm thinking about it, actually we had a really great breakfast (laughs) and there was sun in the courtyard and then they start to really hunt for the good stuff. And that rewires the brain, as you said. And it's important because our mind, I mean, not only what you, what you were mentioning about the fact that we have about like 17 bad news, uh, to one, positive one like there's sort of constantly negativity that we're being exposed to but our brain are hardwired for the negative because back in the days when we were hunters and gatherers we had to survive by basically having that laser focus that you can get when you have negative emotions so like stress you get a laser focus that you know if you see a threat like a tiger that comes to attack you then you have kind of three choices. You can either run or you can fight 
or you can freeze and pretend that you're a tree. <laughs> so the fight, flight, or fright or freeze mode, which happens when you have those negative emotions. So we are prone for the negative because even though we're we're not really seeing them that many tigers in the streets anymore, we don't have that many threats. Luckily, <laughs> our my luckily our minds have not caught up with evolution. Yeah, that is definitely a challenge that we are wired for that, and then also the media. Like yeah, it propels it even more that we really see the negative. Yeah, and I mean, very often you think about all the negative things that happens in your life. Like, uh, you know, if my if my best friend calls me, even me who work with positive psychology every day, she calls me and asks, "So, how are you doing?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fine," but you know, there's so much stress nowadays. I have so much to do. Like, I very often sort of go from, "Yeah, it's fine," but something. Mm. I ne- you know, it's quite seldom that we as humans tend to say. Yeah, it's great because I feel lots of inspiration these days and I feel really calm and <laughs> like you don't really use the positive words no. the same way or like I feel really That's thankful. So <laughs> yeah. Language also creates our reality. So yeah. whether you say I feel super stressed or I feel a bit overstimulated at the moment, there's mm. so many interesting things going on at work. Right now it's a challenge to actually be able to act in all of it. But um, I'm in a wonderful situation that I actually have these interesting tasks going on, even though it feels like I'm overstimulated right now. Mm. It creates different chemicals in the brain. It definitely does. And I think even just to be aware, the most common positive emotions, I mean, most people don't even know how to name the most common positive emotions. Just be aware of, of names like gratitude and awe and inspiration and serenity and you know, these words that actually means positive emotions. If you are aware of them, you will also see them when they occur a lot more and they will grow in you because you focus on them. Yeah. What are some of the other techniques from positive psychology? So Tal Ben-Shahar, the teacher of that first class at Harvard that became super, super famous, um, 1504 Positive Psychology was the name of it. He says that, you know, if you... If I have to give you one advice, it's to go for a run. And it's yeah. so simple, but it's like, okay, so you really have that sort of brush very, very quickly. And I think most of us go to exercise because we want to f- look good. But if you also know that it has that effect on your mind, and there's been done, there's been done research on groups of mildly depressed to depressed people where one group were given antidepressant, one group, group were given antidepressant plus had to exercise, and the third group had to exercise only and all three of them got sort of quickly a lot better but then the group that relapsed the fastest was the um, group that did the antidepressants and the group that relapsed absolutely sort of the slowest was the group that only did exercise and that's because they felt that they had the power in them to actually take control over their own mind as well so i think that's um, that's fascinating so that that's that's like super simple i mean we all know that we should exercise but I think it's just interesting when you turn it around in you to know that it actually also really, really helps your mental health. It's super important. And I think especially that that's what's called a research. I think it came out of London University. So it's mm. quite serious university actually doing the research, seeing that exercise can be more effective than all of the antidepressants we're giving to people. It of course yeah. depends on what situation you're in. But of course. Actually produce some of these signals up in the brain with exercise 
instead of just pills. That's super fascinating and also worrisome that we don't focus more on that in our treatment with depression. In Denmark, yes, it's one agree. out of eight people that's going to get antidepressants at a point in their life. Wow. That's extremely high. Yeah. In Norway, actually, we've had an 83% increase in usage of antidepressants over the last 10 years amongst teenagers. Yeah. So we, you know, Norway and Denmark, we always come up in the sort of uh, high score of the World Happiness Reports. But we have uh, an epidemic of, of mental health issues or mental illnesses. And, uh, you know, there's also some some sort of like disadvantage of being advantaged. Like we feel that we're on top of the, the Maslow pyramid and we should feel good and we should not be allowed to be depressed. But um, But that just gives us more pressure. So, so the expectations are very high. So yeah, expectations don't meet reality as often when people get dissatisfied, and that's definitely a challenge in the Western world. So, what's one of the cool tools we can use now that we got positive psychology to actually tackle some of the issues that we have here in, uh, yeah, all around the world, but especially in Denmark and Norway? So, exercise, gratitude journal. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of something simple that everyone can use. So, I, I well, I mean. I kind of like the whole, the whole purpose part, the meaning part. So adding to something greater than yourself, which also is aligned with kindness because kindness, we talk about anti-bullying campaigns in school, but we seldom talk about like, it's really cool to be kind and what actually happens when you're kind to someone, not just will you make somebody feel much better, but you, it, the same things happen in your brain when you are doing something good for for others as if they would do to do the same things for you and there's there's a huge chance that within two hours they will do something good for somebody else and if there's a third person that saw you do something good for someone there's a big chance they will do something great for somebody else over the next two hours so it has this amazing ripple effect and and i think it's also we have this term that we call random acts of kindness and uh if you think about doing stuff for others that you don't do because you want to gain something back or you don't do it because you have to show off but you just you just do it and i I don't mean just the sort of common polite things that you should do but but try to go a little bit outside of of yourself like what can you do if you buy coffee to someone stands behind you in line or if you i don't know in in how it is in denmark but i know we have these little yellow tickets that you get under your windscreen when you have um, parked wrongly. This is a parking fine, basically. <laughs> Make those yellow tickets where it says like, hey, you parked perfectly fine. But uh, I just wanted to ask, like, wish you a wonderful day. You know, like if you do it a little bit outside of yourself, and of course, just to open the door for somebody or, or help send somebody who needs a message or have a conversation with someone who, who looks like they need a conversation or whatever it might be. But try smile to shift to the focus, someone. smile to someone. But shift the focus from outside of yourself. If you are depressed, don't necessarily make yourself go down the drain, but think about what you can do for others. Shift the focus and it will not only do others good, but it will do you good too. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have something we call Christmas kindness calendar. So instead of just like, what can I get every day in December? It's like, what can you do for others in December? Basically, just a small little tip of what you can do. Yeah. And can you tell a bit more what it is you do in Young Happy Minds? So in Young Happy Minds, we um, we teach the science of happiness to young people and also adults, basically. Um, but uh, 
we have a like sort of the signature program is a 10 week long program, 60 to 90 minutes every hour. And then these missions in between that we call them, it's like uh, homework that, that you have to do on your own. So a lot of the learnings happens sort of when you're on your own in the in, the in between time. But the, we could do this in classes of like 30 to 150 people. And we do trainings in schools. We do trainings outside of schools, in universities. I said also in prisons and refugee camps. And we we did work in Amsterdam last week uh, for McKinsey. So we have the sort of we have corporate uh, clients as well. But mainly we focus on on youth, and we also focus on training trainers. So we have a whole sort of toolkit that you can get as a trainer if you want to take it further and and um, take it to your community or your school or whatever. We we just want to go massively big and spread this to everyone who is interested. So that's why we tr- we made this model to be sort of scalable. And what are some of the next steps in regards to scaling this? So the next steps in scaling is that we've just made a what we call the Uber-like platform for teaching well-being. And what we mean with that is that we've made an online platform that will kind of replaces the drivers with trainers and the passengers uh, with people that are interested in taking the course. So like either parents that, that sign up their kids or youth or whoever. And if you've done a teacher training course with us, we do that offline. We think there's a lot of magic that happens when you do this offline course. Then the trainers will be certified to be able to train. They get access into the platform where they get the whole resource library. So all the materials easily accessible to train and then they can set up their own courses and then if you are someone that wants a course you can see what kind of courses are nearby you and you can rate the trainers etc etc so yeah that's the next plan the uber-like platform of teaching well-being would you be interested in taking a course perhaps that could be an idea (laughs) taking a few courses on positive psychology so have you always yeah so i took the one from berkeley the oh yeah, yeah. Positive psychology, the free one, yeah. and then yeah. I took with is it Barbara Fredrickson? Yes. The one she had on Coursera. Mm-hmm. I think I found one or two more courses on Coursera, and then I followed a lot of the videos from uh, I can't pronounce his name. Ben. Tobin Shahar. Yeah. Okay. It's actually possible to, or it used to be possible to find his lectures on YouTube. Yes, and I know. You, you could also find some of Sean Anker's stuff. I found yeah. a lot of uh, his stuff on there. So, but I'm always eager to learn new things about positive psychology. I think it's... You'll be a perfect candidate for teaching young heavens. This is so much fun. Like, I was the other day, somebody asked me, well, what's your, what would be your dream day? And I said, well, I would wake up, you know, quite, you know, late in bed, coffee in bed. I would go kiteboarding, hang out with my friends and family, and I would do a Young Happy Minds course. So it doesn't feel like work for me. It's like the most rewarding thing I could do. And also just by teaching happiness and constantly reminding myself of things I should do, I use it at home as well. So it, there's nothing more rewarding to work with, in my opinion, because it's, it kind of helps everyone. It's amazing. As you say, it reminds yourself to actually do it instead of just keeping the theory. But because I think, especially with positive psychology and other things, our, our brains are just wired. In a negative way, it's part of evolution to protect ourselves. So it's so important that we constantly train our mind to actually be positive, see the opportunities exactly. instead of only see all the the challenges. So uh, exactly, and 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 also there is a growing trend to be wanting this as a like this is a growing market because 
it's not only that there is like a mental health uh, epidemic in the world, but the other aspect is that the future skills or what is regarded as future skills in a large degree, social and emotional skills, when everything will be robotized and optimized and the robots will do everything better than us. It's our skills to to deal with relationships. It's uh, how we can be agile, how we can how we can deal with setbacks, how we can work together as human beings. That's going to be more and more important. And the same, or a lot of the same skills that are needed for the future are sort of the skills that you need to be robust and content and a happy human being. So it's not just about being preventative for mental health. It's really about getting equipped for the future. So it's awesome. Everyone should learn a little bit about positive psychology. Enables you to perform at a high level as well. Exactly. Research, um, you probably know the study as well. I think it was with doctors that were supposed to predict some cases, um, potential, uh, what's it called, client cases or patient cases. And so they divided them in two groups. And one group got a lollipop before mm-hmm. to put them in a positive state of mind. And the other group didn't get any. And the group that got the lollipop were not allowed to eat it before <laughs> yeah. so you didn't So you didn't have the uh, thing of sugar mm. during uh, having, an, having an impact on <laughs> the study. And I think mm. it was something like the doctors that got the lollipop were 16% faster or better at predicting it. It was insane the numbers for just so, a lollipop because they were happy. They were twice as likely to get the correct diagnosis yeah. than the other doctors. And they were two and a half, they had two and a half times less anchoring. And anchoring is like when you first think of a diagnosis, then it's hard for you to get out of it, that, that situation. Very often you have to sort of brainstorm in your mind to get the right diagnosis, but you just can't get out of that first thought. Yeah. That's anchoring. So two and a half times less anchoring. So it's completely true. I mean, the, w- this study shows like w- one out of many stu- studies that positive emotions are not just to feel good. They are, they've also, they have also survived evolution for a reason. When negative emotions put you in laser focus, positive emotions, they broaden and build your horizon. They make you more creative. You can better sense, you know, situations in a the room. They basically put on the l- innovation centers in your brain. It's amazing. Yeah, and I, and I, and one of the uh, one of our trainers, he um, it's a great example of that. He got into Cambridge, and uh, and he was like the only one in his family that actually had a university degree. So he thought it was just amazing that he got in, and he was super super happy for you know like fifteen minutes, and then he was super depressed because he felt like he was the worst in class, and he had nothing to do there. He felt all the pressure and. And he he did really well as I mean re, sorry really bad as well in um, in the exams. So one of the teachers told him that like you shouldn't have been there. I don't know why you got in. And and he studied psychology, but throughout the years in his bachelor's, he studied on his own positive psychology. And he thought, well, I'm so depressed here anyway, and I do so bad. I might as well just try some of these techniques. And he did rigorously try them out, like you know, play a song that will really make him feel good or or watch a little YouTube film that will make him smile before he was doing the exams or write a gratitude diary, did sort of all those little bits and pieces. And he not only got much better grades, but he had a very different attitude of life. He graduated with the first. It's so much impact on his mind 
that he actually tattooed a sign of positive psychology on his arm. So he's like, oh. <laughs> he's a big uh, believer. <laughs> yeah. But it is important and is 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 definitely a tool to use both in regards to your own happiness and also performance. So yeah. I always do it before IQ test. You do? do some, yeah, I do something that makes me in a positive state of mind. <laughs> <laughs> and so far, it's been going well. So, so it it does help. It's like we know from so much science now that it matters, and you could even consider when you go to your doctor that you should bring them a lollipop to make sure they give you the proper <laughs> diagnosis. Correct. And are you doing a lot of IQ tests, by the way? I've I've had to do a, a fair bit of them in regards to, to different jobs. So uh, I, I've always made sure that I did something positive, just knowing Very how much it actually screws the results. I think there was a study done with math as well, how much you perform better with math in a positive state of mind as well. <laughs> so it's I don't think uh, there's any excuse not to do it before those tests, but also just in regards when you do work, try and figure out how can you put yourself in that state of mind. Exactly. So do Very you have any routines that you do? Uh, yeah, so every morning I do a little meditation, just like five minutes, but I try to really ground myself before I start the day. And that's, you know, so typical now that we use the phone as an alarm clock. And then the first thing you do is to check your email, but I check in with myself before I do anything else. And so then kind of meditation, I, <laughs> do you use an app, listen to music or do you mm. do a mantra or? Right now I'm doing headspace because my boyfriend is kind of, I had to convince him a bit into trying meditation. So, so headspace is a guided meditation. So it makes it quite simple. And the five minutes one, everyone can do. Yeah. But me personally, I use ascension meditation, which is, uh, some sentences that I tell myself. And, um, I've done that for many years. So when I meditate on my own, I, I do that. Do you call it essential meditation? Ascension meditation. Okay. Ascension. Yeah. It could be anything, really. I don't. I don't believe that there is like one right or wrong. It's just to put your focus into. Yeah, I mean, the sort of definition of mindfulness is like how to be aware without w- wishing it was different in a way. So to be awake and alert and relaxed at the same time, and just sort of be right in the moment. So, so I do that in the morning, and and every night we do the gratitude exercise, and then I. I kind of in general, I put into my life, I put in these like goal settings that are sort of self-concordant goals so that I know that I can try to become a little bit better version of myself than I was last week or the month before or the year before. Because I don't believe in saying to yourself that you want to be happy, like to be happy. That's not a, that's not a realistic state of mind. Like you're not happy or not happy. You could be a little bit happier. <laughs> If you work on some techniques, but it's not about like either happy or not happy. You will always have situations where you feel depressed or sad or stressed or whatever, which is completely normal. It's just about being a human being and you should accept that. But you can choose the actions that you take when you feel those emotions to sort of bounce back or bounce up faster. So instead of like you will always keep on having the flu and and when you get that flu, you can choose whether you want to go to the pub or you want to go home and sleep and drink ginger tea and you will probably recover much faster if you do that. So I, I, I just have this, like I set some goals so that I constantly know how I can improve. Like on Mondays, I will usually check in with myself on the PERMA model. I'm like, how am I doing on P? How am I doing on E, R, M, A, N, V? And then I put it into my calendar. So those things that I usually, 
like before I thought like I don't have time for kiteboarding. I don't have time for like playing an instrument, but I love music and I love kiteboarding. And I know that when I'm in that flow state and if I put that in my calendar to do that a few hours every week, then the rest of the week I'm going to be so much more efficient and happy and, and a good version of myself. So I kind of, yeah, I really use the Perma model as a dial. Makes a lot of sense. What about you? Or do you have any routines except so from true. gratitude diary? <laughs> so gratitude is definitely the thing that I've been keeping for yeah for that many years. So it mm. varies when I travel a lot. When I'm at home for a longer period of time, I always have my phone on flight mode when I go to bed. So mm. I don't look at it in the start. Mm. I've tried to get up in the morning and do some breathing exercises first. Yeah. And then some movement. I tried to do meditation for a while in the morning, but I got so tired. So it didn't, it didn't really work for me. In the morning, at least, uh, I've been told that I might have to do other kinds of meditation. But mm. what works best for me is not looking at my phone for the first 20 minutes or so. Breathe, yeah. some movement. I normally make a green smoothie in the morning. And then it's around when I've cut some of the stuff for the smoothie that I turn my phone on. And then mm. I often listen to a podcast. Mm. So, but it's challenging, especially when I'm, when I'm traveling a lot. To get yeah, just a bad excuse, you can still do a routine about getting up, breathing, doing some some movement, and so on. Yeah, it's a Zen uh, saying that if you that you should meditate every every day for thirty minutes. If you're too busy, you should meditate for forty five minutes. <laughs> so that's kind of when you need it the most. But I, yeah. I I agree though; it's not easy to get all these routines in, and you shouldn't be too hard on yourself either. It's, it's really just about like sort of tapping your toe into the water and, and you know, slowly if you do a little bit and you will dip your body further and further down and it will help a lot anyway, whatever you do. Yeah. Um, but I, I was thinking about it when you, when you asked me about routines, I thought about these sort of small bites, but obviously I do every single day something that's meaningful to me because I work with positive psychology and I, I contribute to something that's bigger than myself. Yeah. So I, I also I'm kind of every week I'm sort of I feel like I'm scoring well on in meaning. Yeah. With meditation mm. for me it really helped to use inside timer. That was after interview Alexander on the podcast. So mm. I tried to use Headspace, but that just didn't work that well for me. So I think it's also a matter of the voice that works well for some people and some people yeah. where inside timer has, has helped me the last couple of weeks actually to do some meditation. So it's also a matter okay, of great. the tools the tools that work for you. Yeah. And you can become, yeah, like Andy from, you know, obviously you can get bored of having Andy's voice, so it's headspace kind of voice, if you listen to that for years. And that's why I personally enjoy to to do, like, not an app. It's only, It only comes from me. But as I said, at the moment, I'm just trying to help my boyfriend to get in some routines that doesn't feel too alienating. So whatever it is, as you say, you have to find your, your tool. Find what works. So just before we end off, where can people find out more about you? If they want to follow you or find out something about Young Happy Minds? Yeah, so uh, our website, youngheavyminds.com, it's in this, um, uh, it's in a stage of uh, renewal. So it'll be new very soon, but you can still find us on the same URL. And Young Happy Minds on Facebook or Young Happy Minds on Instagram. And and also if you if you have any questions, you you can contact me on LinkedIn or, or just contact our email address, which is hello at younghappyminds.com or me personally, Martine at younghappyminds.com. Always welcome to reach out. Yes. I'll make sure to link in the show notes both to Young Happy Minds and your LinkedIn profile as well so people can find Great. It. So before Fantastic. we off, 
if you had to give one recommendation or one tip for everyone listening out there, what would that be? I think we talked a lot about the gratitude diary and I, I, I kind of think that that's the one that I would give as an advice. It can be super powerful. And if you try it out and you feel like, oh, this is not for me, try it a little bit longer <laughs> and uh, it will become addictive. And even if you try it out for a bit and then you put it aside and then you take it up again in a later stage, I just highly recommend that you don't forget this one because it's all about the action. As I say, it's common sense, but it's not common action. And that's where the magic happens. So that's my advice. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It's a wonderful tool and it's important that you don't see it as a burden. So just do yeah. it a few times a week, at least to get started. And then you can always see if you want to add it up to every single day. Absolutely agree. Cool. Martin, thank you so much for your time. And thank you so Likewise. much. I really appreciate it. I likewise, and I really enjoyed uh, talking with you. You know so much about positive psychology. We should keep on having this conversation. <laughs> For sure. We might have to do a follow-up and see you. <laughs> okay. Thank All right. So have a wonderful day, Matt. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.